episode number 98, out of Des Moines, Iowa, the Holy Whitehounds are in the springs. said you wanted to be the one but you wanted to be the guy who played the one in the movies you said you wanted to be the one you said i want to be the one So I've got Brent or Brenton. What do you prefer? Uh, well, it doesn't matter, to be honest. All right. So we'll go with Brent. Cool. Brent and James. Dealer's choice. Yeah, James. Dealer's choice. All right. Holy White Hounds. Yep. How the heck are you? Good. Never Good. been better, actually. Nice, nice. I'm in the mountains, man. So is this your first time to the Springs? No. Uh, I've been to Colorado a couple times, like on family vacations and stuff. But it is the band's first time here, though. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, first things first. Congrats on the new uh, on the new album. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Yeah. Sparkle, sparkle. Yeah. Sparkle, That's sparkle. That's what we baby. say. There you go. Yeah. That was what uh, Brent's dad used to call him when he was a kid. Yeah. Sparkle. Sparkle, sparkle. Yeah. Yep. It was my nickname. Is it a true story? You guys pulling my chain? No, that's for real. Yeah. That's for real. Yeah. Well, I had two older sisters, so I wore a lot of a lot of Barbie clothes. 
Yeah. <laughs> Daddy issues don't just pertain to women like people would stereotype and guess that. It, yeah, it's just unfair. It applies across the board, you know? <laughs> nice. So now the Apple, or the, the Apple, the uh, album dropped in uh, April, yes? Uh, February, right? Is it February? No, that's when we got signed was in February. Yeah, it dropped in April. The album dropped in April. You nice. know more than I do about my own band. <laughs> April This guy's 6th. good. He did his homework. <laughs> yeah, right. did. I got notes and everything, man. And so you guys signed on with, uh, with Razor and Tie. That's right. And so, so how did that come about, and what did that do for you guys, you know, as a band and kind of get you focused and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, um, well... We were we became friends with a local radio station. Um, they liked our music and uh, started playing it. Introduced us to our managers. Our managers introduced us to the people out at Razor and Tie, and they were really cool. Like they uh, they weren't they didn't come back to us with like we want to change this and this about the album. They just liked the album outright and wanted it that way. And so. Uh, we it happened really quick man i mean the album was done and we sat down with them and asked them how they wanted to work it and they said we just want to get moving and do it right away and you know so it was kind of a match made in heaven that way that it wasn't somebody who just wanted to put us you know through the whatever you'd say and our album wouldn't come out for another year or something because we were just ready to go it's been kind of a blur man it's been a lot Mm -hmm. Um, things sped up exponentially um, are we allowed to curse, by the way? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been a fucking lot, man. <laughs> now, now James is going to... makes it that much better. Yeah. <laughs> so did you guys have the album recorded prior to hooking up with Razor and Tire? Did they help you with the production on that as well? No, um, we teamed up with a local producer in Des Moines. His name is Brandon Darner. B-Darn. Yeah, yeah. B-Darns. And he, uh, he produced like some Imagine Dragons stuff. He produces his own band called The Envy Corps. He uh, produced a really cool record by a band called Radio Moscow. Uh, the record was called Brain Cycles, and uh, we really dug that. And then when he started talking to us, it was just exciting that, like, to think about the treatment that he gives to other songs, he was going to give us that same treatment, and he did. And obviously, he did a good job because Razor and Ty bought it right out. So, yeah. Yeah. Were, were there any challenges working with the producer as far as the the songs that you brought into the studio and having somebody else outside of the band saying, well, why don't you try this, why don't you try that, or was it yes pretty... Yes no. I mean, it wasn't like, I want to try this and want to try that. The When I... I've had this mindset ever since the Holy White Hound started that I never had with any other band that I had, and that was basically that the other projects I had done had failed. And I didn't know how to take myself any farther. And Brandon has had more success than I. So I thought, why wouldn't I just listen to him? Yeah. So when he said things, I really listened. And I was just uh, really open-minded to any suggestions he had. And um, so in that sense, I was so open-minded going into it. No, there was no issue. But the only issues that we would run into sometimes is if maybe I wanted a like a retake or there was a couple songs that I wanted on the album and we kind of like chose different ones than those and but it wasn't like I'm your producer I'm going to tell you what to do yeah it was like long drawn out like conversations of like uh what we each thought was best for the band and in the end I think 
uh, I mean, it went well. I'm not upset about anything. But in the end, um, we really did even so just go with what he had in mind for the same reasons I stated before. Like, he knows better than I do in a lot of ways. Even, you know, it's an unpopular thing to say, but the fact of the matter is that artists like to think that they know what's best for their own art. And unfortunately, sometimes it's not true. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I realized that about myself. I, I think I'm probably right 90% of the time, but um, he, he was somebody there to... <laughs> James, 90, does that sound accurate? <laughs> uh, yeah, somewhere around <laughs> Well, and I would imagine that just sort of the ownership aspect of it, you guys create these songs and then, you know, giving them out to the world and then getting feedback that, yeah. you know, it's very personal where it's something that you guys have created. And so I, I can imagine that would be a, a tight... A tight yeah. line to walk. Well, sometimes, but I mean, because I see what you're saying. It's like if, if it's your song, then you want to make sure you have it the way you have it so that when you have to answer for it, you're not answering for something that you don't feel is your own. But the personal, to be honest, I just don't care. Yeah. I, like it, it, got, it gets to a point where it's just rock and roll. And if somebody has a problem with how we do, did something or they think something we did sucks, there's a part of me that just thinks, all right, well, let's see your album then. Yeah, yeah. And then there's another part of me that says, you can't please everybody. There's another part of me that really does think it sucks and it kind of hurts because I worked hard on it. And if somebody dogs on it too hard, it's just kind of like, oh, wow. Okay, your thoughts. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, I, I just kind of stopped caring about that. It, I, I don't think that it has to be so personal. And I know for some people that's what is important to them that it's personal. Yeah. But to me, the skeletons of my songs are always still there. And to be honest, much more than that. I mean, the parts that I wrote, my lyrics are for the most part all the same. And it, it just, I don't know. Because the more feedback that you get, the more you realize it's just feedback. It's not a big deal. Yeah. It's, it's, if somebody hates it, it's okay. Well, and in this day and age, everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's mm. got a, a platform to go online and, and say whatever they want. Right. And I definitely, you know, just doing the research that I did, Sparkle Sparkle, the, the reviews have been fantastic. Yeah. It looks like things are really heating up for you guys. So what does that feel like when you put something out into the world and you've got strangers going, this is pretty badass. Yeah. I mean, does that... I've how said does that, that click? Well, yeah, we've definitely had better, uh, more good reviews than bad, which feels really incredible, and I've said this before, but I actually like to pretend that none of that is happening. None of the good things are being said because it puts a lot of pressure on you. Right. Yeah, the and good things almost put more pressure on you than the bad. Yeah. It's like, well, who cares? This asshole's not going to be at the show. Yeah. But this person who thinks it's amazing and it's like their favorite album, it's like, yeah. oh boy, who better be on our <laughs> game today? And an inspired review is always the most favorable, like whether good or bad. It's like, if you hate me, put it into some words it's like you really give it to me you know don't be like nah album's kind of bland <laughs> no yeah. tell me it sucks or tell me it's awesome those are fun to read but yeah i don't know man well yeah i think the only thing about our culture that we like more than seeing somebody succeed is then to watch them get annihilated at tank so i would imagine you know you're to your point we're not doing well we're just going to keep grinding it out i'm not going to worry about what everybody's saying and just you know yeah. don't, don't get in your head too much about the success element of it yeah which is a little contradictory to what he was just talking about uh not caring about the input or caring a certain degree about the input somebody like a producer or somebody who reviews your album has because really you do have to ignore that stuff sometimes and just be like well what i love doing is writing songs in the basement with my friends that's what you focus on yeah well and it's day to day it's not even like finding a balance it's because you i can't live a balanced life my life is has become 
sleeping in vans and not even knowing like when the next meal is a lot of days and when i wake up i'm either in the mood to listen and learn about what other people think about it and at the end of that day i either consider it or i don't and then at the beginning of some days i just don't care and i don't even feel like reading any of it but like james said it's been so positive that it's it i think that's what keeps me maybe some people would have uh, butted out a long time ago, but it has been like encouraging for like ninety percent of the time. I'm gonna say ninety percent for every statistic. That's a solid yeah. A, man. Today. I'd go with yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, what's the uh, coming up out of uh, Des Moines, Iowa? What's the the music scene like out there? It's cool, man. It's um, a lot of cool bands. Yeah, there's uh, there's just really cool music coming out of there. There's a festival there called 8035. And um, that festival, what is it, eight years old now? Uh, Nine? Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, eight at the oldest. It's, it's old. It's getting up there, you know, and it's uh, every year it's been a success. And that's, I think, hopefully that's really encouraging for a lot of people there. Des Moines is, is not a big city. It's, I don't know, the, the music scene there can be, everybody kind of knows everybody like if you're in a band you know the other people to an extent yeah Yeah, that's a bit of a fishbowl yeah and but that's why it's weird is because lately there really has been some bands just like killing it there yeah well they're like 8035 brought a lot of big acts around des moines and so did uh, a guy named sam summers has been opening clubs around and woolies is like eight years old as well yeah something like that so there's a platform it's like an 800 cap place so you get a lot of cool acts and you get yeah. a lot of big acts from 835 it's inspiring when you get big artists to come into your town it gets people to be like oh man we can push to the next level maybe we can play 8035 or maybe we can yeah, play yeah. woolies so all these cool bands uh that we were already friends with or knew of have definitely been pushing to the next level well and not to not to scare you with the level of success you guys have had but it's sort of that high tide raises all boats and so to see a band oh, yeah. come out of des moines you know holy whitehounds it's like well these guys are doing it we can do it and so that sort of bolsters the local scene i would imagine to see guys like you out on the road and playing festivals and i doing hope things. so yeah yeah the, but, i mean it, as with any place you will have your complainers who would rather complain about how things are than than to fix work it. on their own thing i mean not even fix fix a city but just the, i've learned there's a guy I met a while back who told me the only thing you can change is yourself. So if you have a problem with something, change yourself, and then it's just like a lead by example type of thing. Yeah. It's not groundbreaking, but it really seeped into my psyche when it comes to the music stuff. And I don't know, whenever we took a look around and didn't like something, we just took it upon ourselves to work harder on ourselves. We never really left the neighborhood of ourselves, you know? Yeah, yeah. And when I, and when I saw another band do well where we were from, it's. It's kind of an unattractive quality for, it's an unattractive quality for somebody to admit to as an artist anyways, to be competitive. But when I see somebody who is doing well, I was like, wow, I need to get on my shit and start grinding and making <laughs> better music, better guitarists and stuff like that. So yeah. It's true, yeah, I mean. Well, in Iowa holds a special place in my heart. That's where my mom's from. Oh yeah? And we're actually going back there this summer. Um, what are some of the misconceptions about the Midwest and Iowa that the rest of the country looks at Iowa and they think, fill in the blank that yeah. just isn't true i don't think it, there's a lot of misconceptions <laughs> actually there may be some like you think that one place is more boring than another but so far i don't want this to sound bleak but i heard this from a comedian the other day i related it's like imagine a place 
That's what it's like. Traveling everywhere I go, it's kind of what I thought it would be like. There's always surprises in people that I meet. Yeah. But the places are about what I thought they would be. I don't know if people actually feel that way when they visit the Midwest or not. I don't get enough feedback to know. Do you? I don't either. No. No, I mean, Iowa is... Yeah, from what I hear, things, it's like doing better and better, but I don't even get out that much because when I finally go home, I want to be with my family. I want to stay in. I want to watch Netflix. Yeah. So to be honest, I don't know a whole lot about Iowa. <laughs> I live there. I, I really like it. Yeah, I, yeah. When I go to these big places, I don't know how people deal with the traffic. I don't know how they have the patience. I was saying on an interview earlier today, I don't, when I go to like New York City, I don't know how anybody gets anything done there. Like, where do you find peace and quiet to quiet your mind and, and write? So that's what we've always loved about Iowa is that you can find your quiet space and tune out the world and do your, th- do your thing. It's a yeah, great yeah. place to do that. And the other cool thing about Iowa is that in a couple hours in any direction, you have Chicago, you have Minneapolis, Kansas City, Omaha, the, like bordering states with bigger cities than any city in Iowa. Yeah. And so if you're a band that wants to get out there and do it, you can go any which way. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue. You guys are on the road as we speak. Um, it looks like you're booked pretty well solid through the end of July mm-hmm. at this point. And there's more. I mean, yeah, and I imagine I, there's, there's more dates that haven't been. Yeah, it's so, going to be solid for a long time. So when you're on the road, what do you do? The vacation is the time you're up on stage. So what do you do in the meantime? How do you guys keep yourself sane and, and not kill one another in the van and all that kind of stuff? What's, what's the road like for you? Still working on that. We really like to find <laughs> vintage t-shirt shops. Nice. That brings us all together every time. Yeah. yeah, and we really like to find vintage guitar shops. Well, vintage t-shirt if you go to the Leech Pit in Old Colorado City tomorrow if you're around. That's okay. a good place it's a to hot check lead. out. So yeah, I will, we, we will try for sure. <laughs> and... Um, that, oh. I mean, that, that's what we look forward to a lot of the time. Let's look at T-shirts and guitars. Yeah. Or, you know, a lot of podcasts while we're driving. Yeah, we do that. We do a lot of podcasts. Uh, a lot of stand-up comedy. and stuff. Just a lot of stand-up. Nice. Anybody in particular that you're hooked on now? Uh, Tom Segura is really cool. That's nice. a new one for us. This isn't um, stand-up, but uh, our favorite band on the planet, Bird Cloud, they're, like, amazing. I'm not familiar. I don't know if it would be flattering for them to call them a comedy duo, but they uh, they play like acoustic guitars and they sing, and there's two chicks and they're songwriters, and they are hilarious. Nice. Yeah, that's so really funny. Cool. Oh, yeah. very cool. I have to check it out. Yeah. Now, you guys uh, recently played Bonnaroo down in Tennessee, is that right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and what was that experience like for you? Um, well... We played hot. at 8.45. It was so hot. It was so brutally hot. Yeah. I took this stocking cap I'm wearing right now, <laughs> and I dipped it in an ice bucket and just wore it around all day. And people would say to me, like, dude, why are you wearing a hat? And I'd say, touch it. Yeah, yeah. And they'd be like, oh, that's genius. <laughs> so that's, that's one of my See, that's, ideas. That's the Midwest innovation I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, right? people yeah. get really nervous around the guys walking around Bonnaroo telling them to touch it, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, but by the time we went on, it was 8.45, it was really dark, and the stage lights were so bright that I couldn't see the crowd at all. Yeah. So it felt like I was just practicing. You know, it felt like totally comfortable, totally fine, no problem. And then uh, I said at the show, hey, on the count of three, everybody scream the name of the band that you're most looking forward to seeing here at Bonnaroo. 
And when I did that, they brought up the house lights and I could see the crowd like, oh, wow, there's people here. Nice. Lots of them. Nice. Yeah. So and I mean, walking around Bonnaroo was weird, too, because it's like a city in the middle of a field. Yeah. And it's just uh, like a big shanty town. And I, I think it was more weird to be at Bonnaroo than to play at Bonnaroo. Because playing there felt very natural, and the p- staff that do it were so nice. And it, you, what, they just made you feel at home. What, uh, what bands were on the bill that you guys were excited to see or meet? I really liked the band uh, Fiddler, and i got to say hi to those guys. Um, who else? Well, that's the thing, is that we were, the, we were working... So we didn't really get to see. I know we didn't get to watch yeah. any of those bands. By yeah. the way, we just these are bands that we knew were there. That well, were we really got to cool. see Fiddler. Right yeah, we did catch thing. a little bit of their set, and uh, they're an incredible band. And nice. we got to see uh, this band called Public Access TV. Yeah. And they we met them, and they said they were from New York, and I really liked them. They were sweet. And other than that, to be honest, we were mostly like doing you know podcasts and interviews and playing. Yeah. Or just trying not to have a heat stroke. Yeah. 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 Nice. Well, before I cut you guys loose, what are you uh, looking forward to after here? You go down to Albuquerque, and then yeah, in Albuquerque, I want to. I really want to get a tattoo of Bugs Bunny taking a left. And um, <laughs> you lost me on that one. I left at Albuquerque. <laughs> got it. Yeah. Got okay. it. All right. I was yeah. going. I was going Breaking Bad. I'm like, where was that in Breaking left Bad? Left or right? Whatever the wrong turn was. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> But uh, I mean, so beyond the, the rest of the tour, what else do you guys have coming up that you're looking forward to? Is there already another album kind of We're always writing. Or? Uh, there's no announcement or anything like that. Nothing official for an album, but we're always writing new songs. So that's it's weird, though, because we were talking about this this morning. We had breakfast yeah. with our manager. We were talking about when the next release is going to be. But for now, no announcements. We're just working. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, Brent and James, welcome to Colorado Springs. Thank Enjoy you. your night here at Thank the Black you. Sheep. And uh, we're going to hang out and watch you play. Let's Very do it. Cool, right, man. Go, go eat. All right. Cool. Let's eat. Sparkle, sparkle, everybody. So there you have it. Brent Dean and James Manson from the Holy White Hounds. My sincere thanks to them both for taking time out before their headlining show at the Black Sheep. The tune you heard at the top of the episode comes off their Razor and Tie debut album, Sparkle, Sparkle. And my personal favorite, the song is called Crowds. My thanks to Jeremy and the great folks at the Black Sheep for their continued support. And as always, thank you for listening to In the Springs. If you're enjoying the podcast, take a second to post a positive review on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast media. Until next time, I'm Ryan Lowry, and we'll see you again right here in the Springs. Springs.